It's the one-year anniversary here at Wait What? So we spend five minutes and 45 seconds patting ourselves on the back. Then we tell you about all of our biggest pet peeves about politics. This is Wait What? Politics with Zuma and Steele. Wait What? is your political recap. We'll tell you who's making news and what it means to liberals and progressives everywhere. And we'll interview the newsmakers that make it happen. So from the nation's capital, here's reporter Jimmy Zuma. And from the great state of Arizona, here's Senator Victoria Steele. Hi, and welcome to another Wait What? Politics with Zuma and Steele. This is a very exciting Wait What? Because it's our one-year anniversary. <laughs> Can you believe that? Happy anniversary. Can you that? Happy anniversary. <laughs> Thank you all. Thank you all for that wonderful response. <laughs> As you can imagine, we're pretty excited because we love doing this show. Yeah. And celebrating our one-year anniversary is kind of like a big thing to me. It's a big thing, not a kind of like a big thing. It's oh, a yeah. big well, thing. It's just a uh, big old deal. <laughs> I grew up in the 70s. We say pretty much and kind of and sort of. Sort of. <laughs> not effusive in our praise of ourselves, but this yeah. is a great show, by the this way. Have I mentioned show. that? Yeah. This is a this terrific is, this, show. This is a freaking great show. It's genius. <laughs> it's awesome. Genius work goes into this show. <laughs> well, I, you know, we do do a lot of, of research. We, we truly yes. bring a lot to the show. <clears throat> and, but it's, it's fun. It's fun. Yes. This is something that neither one of us have to do. We just right. are doing this because we love doing this. And, and, and I think that our friendship that has developed over this past year has just really just we have this dynamic thing that's going right. on here. And it's really cool. I like it. I, I like it a lot. You're good people, Jimmy. Oh, you're <laughs> wonderful. You're wonderful. You do important things. And I'm just your biggest fan, I have to say. Oh, my. You know, <laughs> it all started, really, because we were overlapping guests on a radio show at uh, KVOI right. in Tucson. And the John C. Scott Show, John's turned out to be somebody who's helped me along in the radio business and, yeah. and somebody who you know quite well. Yeah, I worked um, with John at two or three radio stations in Tucson. Well, he's been around forever. I know. <laughs> you know, I know. He's, he's a he's long, a long-time broadcaster, and we, of course— love them yes um, but that's how it started we overlapped as guests and i guess i was sitting in with john one day and you came in to do your interview and then something happened there yeah because pretty I, well, soon and you and you had another show at kvoi at the time and, right uh, i started a radio show at the you know not a podcast but a radio show and then but that was when we were told we had to sell our own radio show and just because you can be good at doing radio does not mean you're good at radio sales and so right. i would have starved if i <laughs> kept doing that but i needed somebody to play off on on some mm -hmm. things because i didn't want to just talk for an hour i wanted right. to talk with people for an hour and sometimes i wanted guests and so i brought in you frequently and we would just have so much fun talking about political stuff and, oh that's right and it was cool it was really cool i'd say jimmy here's what i want to talk about today you want to come in and be on the show and he's like yeah sure and it was fun it was not work and then it was eight o'clock on a saturday morning and and you drag your butt in there and just do it no matter what and you know neither of us getting paid for it in fact i was paying for the privilege to do it it was pretty cool i enjoyed Big change it. from now 
you know? Things have totally changed. I've done radio for about 25 years. And yeah. I thought, well, okay, you used to be a news, a news announcer too, right? Yeah, I did radio news for 25 years, um, several different markets, Milwaukee, Midland, Odessa, by God, Texas, <laughs> 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 Phoenix, uh, Tucson. Yeah, a lot of different places. I grew up in Pennsylvania, did it there when I was a kid, um, teenager, and early 20s. and So that was so much fun. But, and then I thought, you know what? There's these things called podcasts. I bet I could do this. And so I asked you, how would you like to yeah, do I this? got a call. And yeah. the call was, hey, you want to do a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, so I did. You know, I'd never really thought about doing a podcast yeah. before. You know, I, I came to this, uh, came to radio through writing. I'd written for some publications around, uh, you know, I had a blog at Salon, I wrote for Technorati, and uh, and lastly, the Tucson Sentinel. I did regular columns in the Tucson Sentinel in Tucson, and that led me to KVOI, ultimately led me to you and, the, and your suggestion show. that we start a podcast. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> and it's been really successful. I have to say, it's outperformed even my wildest dreams, and um, we have so much fun. I we hope do. that you have as much fun as we have with this show. And I want you to know that we don't just sit down and just, you know, people think that you, you just, to do a podcast, you just sort of hang out and talk about whatever. But we really prepare. We prepare. Yeah. We, we make sure that we have chosen things that we think you're really going to want to know about. And not the same old stuff that everybody's talking about ad nauseum. But we want to give you something that's really good. And right. And certainly not the about. same angle as everybody else. We right. want to cover that part of the story that hasn't been covered right. and explain that part of the story that hasn't been explained and maybe give you some some insight that comes from that amount of homework that we do. So you can go to work and be just the coolest guy on the block because mm -hmm. you've got all this knowledge that you learned from Zuma and Steel. That's it. That's it. <laughs> You're so <Yeah>. lucky. <laughs> <laughs> What do you mean? I'm and we're so, so lucky. lucky. We're so lucky to have you as <laughs> listeners. We're going to try to do something a little different today, uh, rather than than be a news oriented show. We're going to talk about our top ten pet peeves about politics. Yes, uh, and and we should probably say for those who you know really haven't been following the show, um, and if you've just recently joined, I am a state senator in Arizona. And mm -hmm. um, at one point, I ran for Congress unsuccessfully, but boy, that was fun. I learned so much. It was really hard, but I learned so much. And I love what I do. I love being a state senator. It's mm -hmm. important, and I love it. So, yeah. So, so and, and with so Jimmy working in D.C. So that informs some of your pet peeves, yeah. Yes. Yeah, and I, I work in D.C. as a journalist. So we have lots of pet peeves around politics. Oh, my God. You have no idea. We, we had to narrow it down to 10. I, I could have done 50. I'm sure you could have done 30. And we had to 30. fight over a couple. You know, we, you're, you're in yeah. Washington, D.C., and I'm in Tucson, Arizona, and, and we're, we're like, like uh, doing arm wrestling over the internet, <laughs> virtual arm wrestling, over which topics we're going to tie this down to. So we, we've got some good old pet peeves. So, Jimmy, what's your number one well, pet peeve? My, my first pet peeve, I'm not sure it's my number one, oh, but okay. the first on my list is I don't like political signs at intersections. I don't Why? like them. I don't Why? think they do any good. I come um, they're just It's just like a big blob of ugliness. And the other thing is none of the losers ever take them down. You know, if somebody loses an election, they don't do right and go get their signs. Yeah. 
they wait until they have to. Right. Until they get a summons or or yeah. or, or just never. They just disappear and the yeah. signs stay there until somebody else takes them down. Yeah. Now, when I lost one, you know, that, that congressional race I lost, when when I lost it, I couldn't wait to get out there and get my signs down because I was so embarrassed. <laughs> it was like, no, 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 just get the sign out of here. I don't want anybody thinking about me losing a race. <laughs> there you go. Good for you. Good for you. You did your civic duty. But, you know, the signs in this day and age, I don't think they do much. I, I, you might have a different opinion. I do. I think they do a lot. But I'd only think I think their their use and their their value is limited far beyond what most people think it is. I think people think, oh, the more signs you have up, the better you're going to do, the more successful you are. So if I don't put signs up soon enough or fast enough or enough signs or the signs in the right places, I get people emailing me, calling me on the phone. And they'll say, well, why didn't you put your phone, your, your, your car, you, you've got them in the wrong place. And, you know, somebody <laughs> else will call up and say, get that sign off of my property. It shouldn't be on my property. Well, that, sir, it's not your property. That's, that's public domain. I don't care. Get it out of there. I'm going to destroy it. And then they do. <laughs> they do. And, and then somebody else will say, you don't have enough signs up. My God, you're going to lose the race. And I gave you money and you, you better work harder. Get more signs up there. Do you need more money? <laughs> yes, I do. Yes. <laughs> always, always. <laughs> That's an interesting point that you make because it, it is true that if people don't see a presence, if they don't see signs, yes. they think you're broke. Right. And they think that you're not trying hard enough. But then there are people who will have the entire district plastered with signs. You can't go anywhere without seeing a sign in, in the median strip on sidewalks and yards at intersections and between the intersections, which I think is a really good way to do the yes. signs. Yeah, well, that's where the realtors put them, so they must know something. And then other people will will take, and on some races I've seen where, you know, it's like so-and-so for county board, and somebody else will put up a, a, a sign on either side with an arrow saying, this person is a crook. <laughs> this person is a liar. You know, and it's yeah, like, yeah. oh, God, that's so nasty. Um, I know. And I've always people, wanted to do that. People throw your signs away. They just, they, right. they steal your signs. And that irritates the heck out of me, Jimmy. That's, that's a really big pet peeve because I go to great lengths to make the signs for each election, for each campaign that it, it, you know, gets my message out in the, in the most succinct, colorful, a way that you can clearly read it from a long distance. It's not complicated. Yeah, that's interesting because you brought up a lot of other pet peeves that I share with you. <laughs> uh oh, <laughs> the signs. list is growing. <laughs> I know. Well, here's probably this may be my biggest pet peeve. Although this list is a lot of things that have bothered me for a long time. Yeah. This is a more recent one. The people who say, and you hear it all the time. Well, I don't believe in polls after what happened in 2016. Like, you don't believe in science, really? Right. Well, that's <laughs> kind of what it's like. And, they, you know, they conflate turnout with polling. They say, because those polls were so good, a lot of people didn't bother to vote, and that's why we lost. Well, that's not why we lost. We lost because Bernie Sanders wanted to burn the party down, because the Russians were involved in it, and because... 
James Comey made a statement eight days before the election that they were investigating Hillary Clinton without mentioning that they were also investigating Donald Trump. That's why we lost. It wasn't the polls. The polls weren't perfect, but they weren't terrible. They right. pretty much called the popular vote. So to say, I don't believe in polls because one bad thing happened, or I don't believe in polls, it's my way of getting people to the to vote, it just annoys me. It's it's just a dumb approach. Every other election, the polls have been fine. Yeah. The difference in this one, the Russians. The difference in this one, James Comey. Yeah. Let's call it what it is. Right. So I have no reason to doubt the polls this time. Their polls were perfect in 2018, so just quit it. Just quit just saying that. I don't believe yeah. in polls. I mean, are you this sensitive that something bad happens to you once? You know, if you <laughs> fall off, if you fall into the street because you trip on an intersection, do you say, I don't believe in curbs? No, don't you don't. believe in the streets. You pick yourself <laughs> up and you, you know, march on. So yeah. just cut it out. Be a grown-up. That's right. Start Pull saying, big girl if you vote, we it. will win. That's, That's right. the only thing you need to say. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You mentioned one when we were making our list about people's response to you as their elected, you know, representative. Oh God! When I first started, it, it was God. I can't believe it. 2010, I think, was when I first started, and I had no idea what I was doing. I just knew that I could do it better than the people that were in there, and I really needed to do something because I was really tired of seeing things happen, and so I I wanted to make a positive change. And and I started. And so you ask the people that seem to know more and everybody thinks that they know what you're supposed to do. And what I didn't realize is that um, everybody thinks they're an expert when it comes to politics. Everybody. And so people would start telling me, well, don't do this. You should never do that. Do this. Go over there. Be there then. Do this now. Um, oh, God, that was a mistake. You should never have said that. Don't do this. Don't talk about this. Um, you know, I, I, I got, don't talk about being, because I, I'm Seneca and Mingo. I'm, I'm Native American. And people would say, well, don't talk so much about the Native American stuff because you're going to get the, you know, the, the Pocahontas thing. And, and it's like, well, this, this is who I am. Would you say that if I was black? Um, what, what, or uh, white. <laughs> yeah. Or, or, yeah. What, what are you saying? And, and then they would say, well, well, don't, don't talk. Cause when I would say about my people, um, you know, and, and meaning my ancestors, said, no, your people are the people here in Tucson. That's your people. And I said, well, okay. I seriously, and, and I would get this stuff all the time. Every time I'd make a, a, a speech, every time I would, I would create a sign for, you know, the, the political campaign signs. Every time I would do a radio show or anything, there would be all of these people who would tell me to my face or, or write to me or be snarky on, on social media and, and say, you know, tell me that I was doing it wrong or that I have to do this or stop doing this or never ever do this again. And so finally, after I'd won a couple of elections and I started, you know, there, there were some times where so many people were telling you so many different things that you just had to pick a row, you know, and just, just <laughs> pick a lane, just go and, right. and forget whether or not you're doing it right or wrong. And then I started 
having more confidence in my ability to make a decision. And this is an incredible learning experience. When, when you're in the legislature, you've got to have a master's degree in about 20 different subjects. And, you right. know, you, you've got to know about hydrology and geology, and you've got to know about physics, and you've got to know about the medical industry, and you've got to know law, and you've got to know parliamentary procedures. There's so much you need to know. And, you know, I was starting to get a little confident and, and right. looking at myself going, oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I see this all the time, too, this, this notion that people have that uh, governance is not a profession. Yeah. And that people who run for office are not professional people who have professional experience and and know more than you do. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like being a doctor. You know, mm-hmm. doctors know more than you do about doctoring. Right. And elected officials know more than you do about elected officialing. Now, that doesn't mean <laughs> you can't learn it. You started from scratch. But, right. you know, you should not imagine that you know how to do a job right. that you've never tried. That's right. But in politics, everybody does that. Everybody thinks they can be the president. Apparently, you know, sometimes people elect totally unqualified people to be the president. <laughs> yes, we um, do. <laughs> but but it's really, you know, you have to have some respect for somebody like Joe Biden. Here's a perfect example. Joe Biden. People are saying, oh, he's doing it wrong. He's doing it wrong. He's not coming out enough. He's staying in the basement. He's all, You know, there are all sorts of criticisms of Joe Biden and how he's running his campaign. The dude is winning. He's winning by a huge margin. Big time. So, so, and, and the funding. I mean, he's raised almost as much money as Trump has made. And, as and what has been called an insurmountable money lead up to now has <laughs> almost been totally erased by, by uh, Biden's fundraising prowess. Now, that's not totally Biden. We're at the point in the race where corporate donors who gave to Trump feel like maybe they need to hedge their bets and give to both candidates. So they're yeah, starting to dump money into the Biden campaign <laughs> because it looks like he's going to win. Yeah. Um, but but again, it's a profession. Professionals make professional decisions. Joe Biden has a you know long and storied political career. I think he knows some stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? I think he's pretty good at what he does. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and, and there's there's another thing that people think that we in public office make a lot of money. Oh, my God. And I got to tell you, I make minimum wage. And, the, <laughs> and, and they probably say. Probably less, actually, when you count say, all the hours yeah, you put into and, it. And, and Oh, true. They say it's a part-time job, but it is it is 24 hours a day. And, you know, these days, people know that they can reach me on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn, and they can reach me on my on my uh, campaign website, and they can call my office, and they can, they can call my assistant. And um, they know where I live. They come. <laughs> just, I, there is no privacy. There is no privacy right. and there is no off time. People will call. I have to stop looking at my work e- or any emails because they know my, they, they know my, my wait, what politics with Zuma and right. Steel email. They know my, my, my campaign web email. They know my personal. They know my legislative emails. And so they will tell me you know, their problems and the things that they want me to help mm-hmm. them with. And, and they sometimes are really serious stuff. And and I'll read them at 930 at night when I just have no energy left. And it just feels right. like, oh, my God, I don't know what to tell this person. Then I go to bed with it on my mind and I think about it all night long. So I have stopped reading emails 
in the nighttime. Good for you, because you have been <laughs> terrible at that in the past. I know. I mean, I have to I say, really you are one of the worst people about turning <laughs> off work that I've ever met. I can't. I can't. <laughs> and that I means you get a lot a, of stuff done, but... Uh, I tried to take a vacation last week. I got one mm-hmm. day. And and even then, you know, I had to take my mom to the doctor, and I, and I had to, um, you know, do a podcast with some dude. <laughs> <laughs> some jerk. <laughs> no, you're not. Some jerk was bugging me to do a podcast. He just showed up at my door. <laughs> yeah, what the hell? <laughs> that was fun, though. I got to tell you, yeah. doing it face-to-face, the last one. Is better. Yeah, the last it's two. It's so much fun. Yeah. You know, like we do that. this podcast remotely and we have video. We're looking at video of each other while we do it. Yeah. But it's not the same as being in the same room. No, I, I just, and, it's just different. Uh, being, you know, at each other's houses. The last two episodes, we got to be at each other's houses. Yeah, and that was really cool. nice. Yeah. And oh, and Suzanne, your, your, your wife, she is just the best. Hi, yeah. Suzanne. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> I think she's, she's keeping me. Near as yeah. I can tell. You think she'll but, keep it? You know, there, another one that you mentioned, is, and, and it resonates for me, too, is this idea that people think you can't run for office unless you have money. Oh, oh, my God. They, they I, When I ran for Congress, people would say the only viable candidate is the one who has money. And that is especially harmful to women because traditionally, we're not in those places where you have a lot of big money places. We're just usually not invited to the party. We're not invited. We're not part of that bowling team. We're not part of that, that golfing um, foursome. You know, we're just, mm-hmm. we're just usually not in the room. We're not allowed at the table. And it's only been lately that we've been making inroads on that. But the idea that the only viable candidate, I heard that from when I, I was running for Congress, I was, um, Oh, it was a debate. And my opponent was a Democrat. And in this was the primary. And so, you know, he's a a medical doctor. He's, you know, um, he had as much experience in the legislature as I did, because he had been in the state legislature for three years. I had been in the state legislature for three years, but he was a medical doctor. And so he had a lot more money than I did. And so right. people would tell me as I was calling them to raise the money, I was doing the work. I was working it. And I'd call people day and night. I'd call people asking them for money to support me. And they would say, well, I understand you're running against a doctor. And, and I think he has more uh, viability because he has more money for you. And then one night I was actually in a debate with him. And the first question that they asked each of us was, what makes you the better candidate? What makes you more likely to win? And he went first and he said, and I kid you not, I've got it on tape. He said, because I have more money and I can raise more money. (laughs) How did that guy win? (laughs) I can't even figure out how he got a date. People, (laughs) people started telling me that Matt has more money. You know, he's, he's not, he, he's got more money. So that meant that I wasn't viable. It didn't matter that I was the better candidate. Didn't matter that, that, that I was just as experienced as him. I could do just as good a job and better. Didn't matter. Did not matter. And so he was able to raise more money because he had more money. And that mm-hmm. was the, ex- that, that expectation from, from the people in the, in the, and then it was just like, I was so frustrated by that. Yeah. 
irked me. Well, that's, me a, that's to understandable. No you'll, you'll win next time. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel confident. And you're running unopposed this time, so that tells you yeah, something yeah, about viability. I don't know. Well, um, you know, I may have a write in candidate coming up. Uh, so we're, who we're cares? Just, you know, yeah, I'm going to crush <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you care. I'm sure you take yeah, it no, seriously no, no, as no, you no, should, no. but I, I don't take it seriously. Write in candidates are, you know, people have to know how to spell their name and stuff. And, you know, which kind of brings me to another thing. Yeah. I am so tired of these conspiracy theories, you know, these, this QAnon stuff like Pizzagate and now it's Wayfairgate. Oh, you know, and they all seem to revolve around Democrats and liberals um, are selling children for sex. You know, they're, they're yeah. all their conspiracies revolve around child sex. I don't know what right. that's about. Um, you know, but Pizzagate, we had a nice little business, Comet Pizza here in D.C. that was menaced and ultimately shot up. Because somebody started a rumor that uh, Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton's campaign was running a child sex slavery ring out of the basement of this place. There's actually not a basement there, but um, <laughs> that didn't that didn't stop it. And, and that business and all the other oh businesses in that row all suffered because of that. And now we see the same thing with Wayfair. You oh. know, the people the new theory is that Wayfair, the the overpriced. Uh, commodities company where you can buy furniture and housewares and all that stuff is selling uh children but putting up pictures of tables but everybody knows the difference you know you can tell because of the name of the product that it's actually you know a child that's for sale and I, I, you know what bothers and me I about this you know what my peeve about this is <laughs> my peeve about this is that why do i have to share a country with people who are this dumb <laughs> i mean these people are so stupid why do I have to share a country with them? Why is our education system able to produce these abject morons? Yeah. yeah. You know, it's terrible. I, I, why would anybody waste any time on such a preposterous story? Well, and then why would Twitter and Facebook just, just run with it? Oh, but, my God. Twitter. Don't they, get me started on Twitter and Facebook. Okay. You know, I those. think I just did. <laughs> no, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, go for it. I'm waiting. <laughs> you know, Twitter... What really bugs me about them is the anti-American nature of their rules. You know, in this country, nobody's special. That's what we say. Nobody's special. Everybody gets treated the same. But on Twitter, if you're a politician, you can say racist things. You can say sexist things. You can advocate for rape. You can basically do any kind of heinous, noxious, make any kind of heinous, noxious statement you want to because you're a politician. Well, that's not right. No, you know, that's not right. I mean, the Supreme Court just re, re, reaffirmed that politicians aren't above the law. So why would they be above the rules of your entity? Right. If somebody says something that violates the rules, it doesn't matter who they are. So Twitter, get your shit together. And yeah. Facebook is worse. They have this automated way that they, they, you know, ding people for making statements, you know, and the latest thing is happening is that they're trying to be more, make sure the platform is more truthful, but the cheap ass way that they've done it is to have this automated, automated algorithm thing where, you know, it, if you are complaining about somebody telling a lie, it flags you as a liar. Because you know? you're connected or to it. Because you use those certain keywords in your post. Mm -hmm. And if, you know, I mean, people all the time are getting Facebook bans for things that, other people are just saying. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're I've been not even banned by Facebook a couple of times. Well, not me, but my posts yeah. have been yeah. have been removed. 
right. a, a couple of times. And, and I never understood why. I mean, they just seemed like innocuous things. They, they weren't like flagrant. They weren't bombastic. Yeah. They were I guess you just need unfair. to let them know you're a politician or something. Oh, and that's then, Twitter. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> that don't work do on that. Twitter, but then nothing then just, works on Facebook. There's um, no explanation. There's um, no information. There's no way to yeah. challenge this stuff. It's just... It's the Facebook police. You know. What are you going to do? It's nasty. Uh, well, and, and so it, you've been really complaining a lot about something called cancel culture. Oh my Tell God. I'm so that. worked up about this. I'm so worked up about this, this, de- this thing, this new label cancel culture, mm-hmm. because what cancel culture amounts to is it's an effort by um, obnoxious people to normalize their obnoxiousness. What they want you <laughs> to do is, you know, see what happens when people say obnoxious things is that people reject them. This is the, Shunning, shunning is as old as time. It's an old as time way to, to, um, to regulate the kind of behaviors that people do, and and it's really not. There's nothing wrong with it, but they want to make it into something wrong. They want to make you ashamed of voting with your feet or voting with your wallet. Now, voting with your feet is, a, is as American as apple pie. If you don't like a product or a person, then you don't buy it. You right. say, I reject that product. Voting with your wallet is how you express that. You say, I'm not going to eat a Chick-fil-A because they're bigots uh, mm-hmm. or th- something like that, you might say. Mm-hmm. and But now this cancel culture thing, it's always privileged people who want to protect their privilege, obnoxious people who want to remain obnoxious without paying a penalty for it. Well, it's fine for that guy to be obnoxious. He can be obnoxious. But give, he can't give be me obnoxious an example a, of it. Give me an example of well, cancel culture. It's not a thing. I can't really give you an example, but but what it would be is people complain that their freedom of speech is being uh, curtailed by having to take responsibility for the speech. Oh, you so mean like wearing masks? Is, yeah, <laughs> ma- wearing masks. You know, that's my your your freedom you're of speech. It's the freedom. same kind of argument. It's equally as dumb. Um, but cancel culture is not a real thing, and you should not let it make you feel like you're ashamed. To express your opinion or to express your condemnation or or to express your unwillingness to buy a product. Cancel culture, the label, is a way to turn things on their head. Say, I'm not embarrassed about the obnoxious thing I said, but you should be embarrassed about not liking it. You should be embarrassed about expressing your view that you don't like it. You should be embarrassed about shunning the product I advertise for because you don't like what I said. Well, that you know, that's just BS. Come on. Cancel culture is not a thing. It's not wrong for you to express your dislike of someone who says noxious, poisonous, racist, sexist things. And you should not be uh, influenced by this label and the people who are trying to make room for them to behave however they want. One of the times that I heard the term cancel culture, it came out of the mouth of the White House press spokesperson. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought, what is she talking about? I had no right. idea. Yeah, well, it's actually a thing that was... Um, uh, first used by a book writer, but it's really been taken on by the the conservative movement as you know another way that they're victimized, another way that they're um, punished for being conservatives. That's how they play it, and they're really talking up this cancel culture. And of course, you know, entertainers are are talking about it. They operate from a privileged position. The other mm-hmm. thing about it is nobody's actually being canceled. Yeah, these people aren't. They don't lose their lives. They don't lose their livelihoods. They suffer a setback because of their behavior. And they have to work back from it. Well, 
you know, that's not being canceled. Yeah. Being canceled is life in prison. That's being canceled. Yeah. Being canceled is being murdered by a police officer. Yeah. Having to pay a price for something stupid you said <sighs> or obnoxious or racist or sexist. Well, that's not being canceled. So the, some, the whole thing is just a made-up, phony uh, way for obnoxious people to protect their obnoxiousness. <laughs> I still don't understand it, but I, I think it's okay. Well, you don't, don't understand it because it. it's not a real thing. Yeah. It's, you know? It's, 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 it's like Antifa. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's not a real thing, Antifa guys. is not a group. It's an it's idea. It's not a group of people. It's a philosophy. Cancel culture is not canceling anybody. No one is canceled. People merely express their dislike of what was said. In, yeah. a, in other words, you're, you're using your free speech rights to criticize their free speech. That's what they're saying is cancel culture. But that's just, you know, American is apple pie. Well, this isn't really one of our pet peeves, but this is something that we wanted to mention because it just happened yesterday. And, and Trump is now taking all of the medical data from the hospitals, on particularly on COVID, used to go to the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, and, and they were to keep this information to, to help. It's, it's data. It's, mm -hmm. it, you know, we, we only know how to go forward if we know where we are and, and what the projections are and the data will tell us that. But now they have ordered hospitals to send the data to the Health and Human Services Agency, I guess. Yeah, you know, Health and it's, Human it's Services a, Administration. It's a department. Part of the Trump administration. Right. It's a department of uh, the legislative branch. The CDC is actually, I think, a, a part of Health and Human Services, but the CDC has the method for compiling all this data. And making uh, it public. Sending it to H HHS and putting it in small print, you may not know this, a non-public database is merely a way of covering up. So this, this data goes to HHS and it's kept secret. So... Donald Trump can say anything he wants because we don't have the data that shows him right or wrong. Right, right. He's it's already the same saying everything that he wants, the, but... Yeah, it's all the same vault where all the TSA successes are. <laughs> and which is another... You know, this really is a larger pet peeve, which is that uh, information being classified by reason of being embarrassing or by reason of being not the lie you want told or, you know, some other reason wow. you can't... They, they can't tell you what the truth is because mm. it's classified. Mm. You know, and this is used a lot when people, when there are deaths in institutions, they say, well, we have to protect the medical privacy of the dead person. All the ways that things are classified, it's out of control. It's really out of control. The, the information, no reality winner, who her crime was telling us that 25, 26 states were hacked by the Russians during the election. She's still in jail. And she was right. And she told us an important truth that should never have been classified. It should have been something that every American had the right to know. But, you know, everything's classified now. And, it, and of course, it's worse than the Trump administration because he has so much to lie about. Oh, and so what's going to happen now is the information is being used, moved to a non-public database where you can't access it. Mm -hmm. And they say that the um, executive branch will use it to make decisions. But you can't know if the decisions are any good. Now, Kaylee McElhenney said that's not a problem. The White House press secretary, the president's press that's secretary said today that's, that's not a problem because 
the decision about whether or not to open schools, quote, will not be made based on science. Unquote. Oh, my God, we are so screwed. <laughs> which, which you know, kind of takes so me back screwed. to the other pet peeve. Oh, my God. Why do we have to live in a world with people who are this stupid? Yeah. <laughs> Why are we the country that has these dumbasses in it? I don't get it. Oh, God. You this know. is just, just... Okay, now I'm depressed, Jimmy. Now I'm depressed. Yes. Well, let me just say my number one pet peeve, and then we'll okay. get out. All right. My number one pet peeve is that the Republican Party exists prospers and funds itself by being the party that gets into office and ignores the laws doesn't enforce the laws you know in the george bush administration they shut down the office of civil rights uh, in this administration they're uh, trying to gut environmental laws they're gutting republicans them. exist <sighs> and businesses fund them because they don't enforce the laws and regulations of the country so they are the party of illegal illegality but they're not treated that way you know, they're treated like the party of business, you know, good for the economy. Yeah. But all they're doing is cheating, lying and stealing. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you. And, and and I'm in a position where I actually see that happening. So, yeah. <laughs> you see it all the time. You told me some stories that we're not <laughs> oh, going to share today. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we don't have enough time to get into it. But, um, well, I think that is it for today's show. So if you find yourself saying, wait, what? Don't worry. We're coming back next week. I promise. Meanwhile... Please subscribe to Wait What? Politics with Zuma and Steele on your favorite podcast app or visit waitwhat.media. I like that. Waitwhat.media. That's our, our Facebook page or our internet site. It uh, has leave been a voice- for a whole year now in case you didn't notice till now. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, leave a voicemail or you can also leave a news tip because we love those on our website, waitwhat.media, or you can visit our Facebook page and, and contact us there. And I think that's it. See you next week. Bye. See you, Victoria. I hope we have 10 more years, 20 more years together that are all like this year. If we can have, oh I will God. keep doing this forever if I have as much fun as I've had with you this year. Oh, and and we have always had so much news to talk about that we have to like okay we can't no there's not enough time for that no what else can we cut out (laughs) never has there been more political news that's one thing trump did oh my god oh my god so much going on all right see you next week bye jimmy and thank you everyone thank you for for listening to us week after week and being part of our show uh bye victoria bye jimmy Happy anniversary, happy anniversary. Well, that's it for today's show. If you find yourself saying, wait, what? Don't worry, we'll be back next week. Subscribe to Wait, What? Politics with Zuma and Steel on your favorite podcast app or visit waitwhat.media and try out our quick takes. So here's the thing, commentary from Victoria Steele and the ZOP, topical explainers from Jimmy Zuma. I'm Monica Price.